You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. Man, it's Friday. I know just got off of work. I apologize for dropping this a day late last night. I had a keynote at Marine Joy High School. Shout out to Mariel Smith. Amazing teacher out there inviting me. I had a phenomenal, phenomenal time. The message is called Cut Your Strings. It's going to be on YouTube soon. On that note, on that note, on that note, before I get into the podcast, before I get into our story, you know, I always do my story before the podcast, I have a couple housekeeping things. One, if you're listening via iTunes, make sure you leave a review. Two, two, two. I got the tour dates, right? The tour dates. Durham, North Carolina, June 24th, Saturday. Charlotte, North Carolina, July 8th. Washington, D.C., July 15th. Atlanta, Georgia, July 22nd. Houston, Texas, July 29th. And Brooklyn, New York, August 8th. Those are the dates. More information coming soon. I'm going to have a Trailblazer Live team. So for people that are interested, not only just attending, but hope. Uh, being a part of curating the event as well, if you go to gregehill.com backslash MTP live. Once again, MTP live. You can go there and it, and it has a link, a Google form that will ask for information to see what areas you can help, help with the event and all that good stuff. So Ticket information will be available shortly, so definitely check us out online, greggyhill.com backslash MTP Live. I can't wait to come visit y'all, share the guests that I have that I'm going to be interviewing. Also, we're going to have a Thrive event after, so a lot of networking, a lot of intentional conversation, and a lot of building amongst positive, like-minded individuals. I might even have some branding sessions beforehand, or y'all can pick my brain. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm excited to meet everybody, so hopefully you can attend. There will be a cost. I don't know how much it is just yet. I'm getting all the venue stuff straight right now, but uh, man, it's going to be a great cost. I might have some merchandise on sale as well, so it's going to be a great experience, so definitely make sure y'all show out and show some love. Also, remember, March 2018, Minority Trailblazer Conference. You can go to MinorityTrailblazer.com to get more information. Got that coming out soon. It's just going to be a great summer. My own motivational album coming out soon. So uh, you can tell I'm excited. I'm excited. Next on the housekeeping thing, or we do now have a YouTube channel, Minority Trailblazer on YouTube. And I'm going to be putting all the podcasts on YouTube as well. So for those that are listening to 
listening outside of the U.S. They don't have iTunes. Y'all, y'all can listen to on YouTube. So I can't wait to share. Please engage. I know season four, season five, we're going to do a lot better job of having the website and having different mediums so you can engage with the, not only myself, but also the people you have on the podcast. But if you're listening on SoundCloud, leave comments on this YouTube channel. Leave comments. Let me know questions you have and whatnot. And so we can just build together. We can build together. So as we get into the podcast, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do to kind of paint the picture. As we get into the podcast, before we get into the podcast, I want to share this story. My high school student, she is a phenomenal student. She's graduating. She's going to my alma mater, North Carolina A&T State University. Shout out to the Aggies out there, Aggie Pride. And she is short on money. Not She's not short on money, but she doesn't want to go into a lot of debt. And she want to raise $7,000. So I've seen her creativity live. She's a poet. She does all this great stuff via poetry. She creates like documentaries. And she's just a phenomenal student. And she sent me a link to a GoFundMe to fund her college. $7,000 was her goal. I immediately said, Jada, give me a call, please, if you would like some, 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 uh, some suggestions. So she hit me up, and we had a talk, and I was like, yo, I love what you're trying to do, but I think there's a better way to do it. You're a high schooler. You're 18 years old. You have phenomenal gift of communication via storytelling. You can curate stuff. You can document stuff. You can uh, you can visually storytell. Why not have an event, right? You open up, call it a premiere. Do a 10-minute documentary for, for things about Durham or I don't know. You come up with the, you come up with the documentary the video. After that, have a slam poetry contest. Then after that, have a real talk session about what teens have to go through in high school. Because I think a lot of old Older people are out of touch about what, what teens are really dealing with. We call them lazy. We say they're on social media too much, but we never really pick their brains and ask questions. So why not have all those three things in one, make it a two-hour event, charge $10. I'll help you remote. I'll pay for the venue, and let's get it done. I think that's a better way to, to raise $7,000 instead of donating. I mean, just asking people to donate via GoFundMe because GoFundMe, that just keeps people that's in your direct facility or people that's directly affiliated you to donate but i can't go to my church member and i can but that's probably gonna be a tough sale saying donate to this girl that you don't know i mean you probably have cousins and nieces and nephews that gonna be hitting up for that graduation money and all that other stuff however if you say man i have this dope uh high school student that's trying to raise funds and she's having a poetry contest she's having a real talk session about how teens are affected in high school and what they go through also she's debuting her own documentary Boom. That's an easy sale. I can tell that to all my friends. We can all support. We'll donate. She can, she, she's created t-shirts on her own too, so we can buy merch. Like all that stuff. So now she's gonna, I guarantee she's gonna get her seven, eight thousand dollars she needs for college without having to do anything but utilize her only God-given gifts. So why do I say that? Why do I start this podcast off with that? Because every single one of us that's listening, whether we're in college, whether we're grown, that is, I'm not telling y'all to start our own business. I'm not telling y'all to be an entrepreneur, but you have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities that you possess right now, but you're not using them. You're thinking, you're doing things you should not be doing. You're operating in a sense like you don't have, like you're missing something, but you're not. You, I said it in the podcast before. You are the answer to your solution. 
Just believe, believe that you are the answer to your own solution. She came asking for $7,000. Now I gave her an idea that utilizing her own unique talents, she's about to get what she asked for. So a lot of y'all have in your head what you're asking for, what you need out of life. But I'm telling you, you have it in you. You have it around. You have resources, people. She reached out. I asked before I gave her feedback. Some people don't ask when we just get feedback. I asked. But utilize your resources. Like with this conference, it's crazy. It blows my mind. I asked the people in the podcast on Snapchat to say, if you want to help out with the conference, you really you can add something to the conference or the live show, send me an email, greg at greggyhill.com. Multiple people have, and now we are building something special. We're having meetings every week, and I'm excited about it because I asked. I need help. I need sponsors. I need venue ideas. I need people helping out with strategy and strategic partnerships. I cannot do it on my own. I am still a speaker, one of the best speakers under 30 in the country. I'll put that out there. I still write. I'm writing my third book. I still am working on other creative projects. So just having this community, working with people, and we're going to build together. Like I'm, It's not just about me. We're going to build together. So uh, for all those out there, just put your dreams in the atmosphere. Allow people to help you and realizing you already have the gift. So let's get into the podcast. I am pumped up and I'm excited because I am interviewing a fellow podcaster and she has an amazing, phenomenal podcast. This interview, man, is bubbly, is energetic, is direct. I, it's one of my best and most fun experiences because you have somebody that knows how to talk and it's just an easy conversation, an easy flow. So I'm going to read a snippet of her bio, and then we're just going to jump right into it, because I know I've already been talking too long. Because some people like this stuff, right? But some people are like, yo, great, let's get to the guests. So I got y'all. She is a marketing strategist, freelance writer, content creator, and the host of the Dreams and Drive podcast, a podcast she launched in January 2016 that teaches individuals how to take their entrepreneurial dreams out of park and into drive. With over 80 episodes in her arsenal, She's interviewed top leaders in lifestyle and business and was featured as an empowering podcast by Essence Magazine and a top business podcast for Black Voices on Apple Podcasts. Her work has been featured at Madame Noir, Blavity, Huffington Post, Fox 5, Good Night New York, Exo Jane, and many more media outlets. She is also a 2013 graduate of Princeton University and a proud graduate of the Emma Bourne Foundation Media Program. When she isn't marketing or podcasting, she enjoys practicing her fashion photography skills, taking her favorite Hills dance classes, snuggling up to a good book or movie, and writing poetry. So without further ado, as you can tell in my voice, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm just excited to have on the show. Raina Campbell to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, Greg. Oh, my God. That <laughs> intro was amazing. I need to steal that from my from my show. Right. <laughs> Might have to put that up on my walls like an audiogram. Every time <laughs> you come into my room, you could just pl- play your intro you just did. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how that will work. You have you have some other company come in, and they hear this dude <laughs> saying, welcome to them. Like, hold up. What? <laughs> Take the I white and leave it. What? Like, who, what? Who's this? You got me in your room. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up like that. Like, that's cool. That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. Um, yo, I'm pumped up. I really am. It's early Saturday morning. I'm about to have a great conversation. So as we always do, if you're listening to the show, you already know what the show's about. So take us away. Please give us a quote that you live by and a story about how you apply that quote to your everyday life. Oh, 
that's a good one. Um, I think I've been saying this quote all year, and it's actually somebody that I interviewed on my on my podcast episode twenty, Alori Swank. Um, her advice was jump and build your wings on the way down, and I think that's kind of been my philosophy for the past you know year or so of just not not looking at obstacles as obstacles, but seeing, seeing them as new opportunities to fly. You know, sometimes we, we don't want to do stuff because we're scared. Sometimes we think we don't have what it takes, but you may not even know that you've had wings already. Right. And you may not even go down, you know, you, you might not even have to put your wings out. You might just be flying from the time that you start. So I think that's something that's really been, um, motivating my life is just taking jumps and not being, not thinking about what if I fail, but more about what if I fly. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 Now I said in a speech. How have you used that quote? Like, like what's the last time as you just jumped off that roof and it's like, dang, I don't know if I even got a parachute. I don't know how this is going to rock. Like, take us to that moment. I remember um, a few weeks ago, I was like in the, just thinking about my business. I was trying to like, I've been putting off asking for sponsors. I've been putting off just even monetizing the business. And I'm part of a group mastermind. And every two weeks we get together and we put, we talk about our goals and we talk about our mission and we talk about, you know, what we're working on. And every week my goal was to start monetizing and to start asking for sponsors. But I just kept making excuses. I'm like, I don't have a media kit. I don't have enough listeners. No one wants to be on my show. Like I was just making up all these stuff. And so my, my um, fellow mastermind group members, they just challenged me to be like, Raina, just do it. Stop making making excuses and so like let's say this happened on a Monday by Tuesday I made my media kit by by Wednesday I reached out to one of my previous guests who has um who has a tech company that I thought would be a perfect fit by Friday they were like all right let's do two episodes in um in in this summer and I'm like wow like I was just here just standing on the cliff thinking about oh it's never gonna work out it's never gonna be anything and look I got a sponsorship for two episodes from just jumping and facing figuring out how to do it once I did. Perfect. That's practical. I can tell you do this because I was, that was to the point. That was practical. I didn't go anywhere. Bang. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I really do. So um, I always debate on how I want to enter podcast. I want to enter from the origin story, enter kind of where the energy goes as far as kind of where I want to go. But I think it's necessary for this one to start with a backdrop and kind of paint the picture as we kind of, uh, as we, as we get into it. Where are you from? Like, where are you from? Who are you? Like, what makes Raina before the podcast, before all this? Like, who are you? Uh, okay, so I am from a little town in New Jersey called Orange, New Jersey. Um, It's like a suburb of, well, I call it an urban suburb because you would come here and you wouldn't think it was a suburb. Like an urban suburbs? A, I ain't never a, heard of that. That's new. <laughs> because like if you're where are you from greg i'm from bull city durham north carolina stand up now uh, okay okay so um <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is like in new jersey there's like a big city everybody probably's heard of north new jersey have you heard of north new jersey yeah because I, I i interned at Rutgers. i mean i interned at johnson and johnson in skillman new jersey and i, I stayed at Rutgers, so I, I'm, I'm i'm pretty familiar. okay okay so like north is like probably like the biggest like city i think it's the biggest city in new jersey and um so like orange is like a sub it's like a sub city of north if you think about that. So I think of like, I think of it of the suburbs of North, but it's still urban, but like the houses may be like, you know, better kept, the community may be a little bit more safer. So anyway, I grew up in Orange, New Jersey, been here my whole life. Um, I think that my story really can start as like a little kid. So I was like that girl who always was like crazy with ideas. Like my friends, like I was always trying to convince somebody to do something that I thought about. Right. Uh-huh. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the uh, most left one you had? 
Uh, well, we had a girl group, so it was called KRS. Katrina, <laughs> Raina, Samantha, and we used to perform songs in my backyard, and we would charge people to come in. For but real? the only yeah, and then we we started off singing Destiny Child songs, and we had our own. We got our own songs that we wrote and we made, and my my dad got me this, or my mom got me this like uh Disney uh production. It was kind of like you can make your own songs mm-hmm. and you can record it, and it was on a CD ROM. And then my dad got me the mic, and we would be in my basement making these songs, and then we would perform them at talent shows. I kid you not, if you find somebody who went to fourth grade with me, you they will still know this song that we wrote called House on the Hills. Like, I still know this song. Everybody knew this song called House on the Hills. Can I get a can I snippet? Like House on the Hills. So I can't sing. I really like I thought I could sing, but I really can't sing. Uh it's it's like this is the chorus. I got a house on the hill with the Escalade and a Porsche 2 and a BMW. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, so and we a Porsche did, too, and a BMW. <laughs> yeah, and we each had our own little parts that we would come in, um, and it was just—it's like my part was I'm having a party up on the hills, right? And so um, that was my part that I would come in. So I, I was always doing a lot of stuff, like you know, my mom used to help me with—I uh, had this bookmaking business, a bookmark making business where I would make bookmarks, and then she would take me to Staples and I would laminate them, and then I would give they, them to people. That's what happens at like Urban. What do you? Called urban uh urban suburbia they buy bookmarks like what in the <laughs> world like i don't know black people looking like who who what 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 like buying book black people no, buy but i was i was also a special type of kid you know people knew that i was promoting books i was a heavy heavy bookaholic <laughs> i really think i read all the books in orange public libraries yeah, kids I, library. I read more books than you i guarantee nobody i i, I'm the, I was a kid that were the war that uh the red hair part in the day i was that guy so I'm, no, I'm, 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 I me. definitely read a lot, a lot of books, and then it, um, and you then the pizza card. Did y'all have it in in, in, uh, New, in New Jersey, like the pizza thing? Like if you read a certain amount, you get like a pizza pan pizza. No, my mom was really big on junk food, so I don't think even if they did have <laughs> it, I would get that pizza Hut card. Fancy. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so you know and then i went to the public schools in orange up until sixth grade so then in seventh grade i kind of got uh i was part of a program called a better chance uh that my sister had already been in for a few years so i then started going to an independent private school in englewood new jersey which is in bergen county which is one of the richest um the richest counties in the in the united states so imagine going from like you know being the only black girl and you know being being one of well, being the majority, right, and then go into an environment where you know I had never I had never been around other kids like that. I had never been in a diverse school environment like that. So being going from one of many to only one was something that I think kind of changed my life and kind of set me on the trajectory to where I am today. So uh, yeah, where else do you want me to go? Because I could go a lot. I could go a lot. I, mean, I could keep, go a lot. Yeah, of different I feel things. like you left us on the cliff. Like we're gonna get to where okay. we need to go, but still, All like right. okay, so, the, you're in this, you're in this new spot, and now you just morphed into Raina, host of Dreams and Drive. Second grade, I want to say, like when everyone asks me, and this can when we get to where you know get to Princeton, a lot of people ask me, so you know, how was Princeton for you? And I always say, like Princeton was just a continuation of my like high school and middle school years. So. Dwight Englewood was like a very, very preppy school. We went to school with like people who had names. Like, let's say like Patrick Ewan's daughter went to school with me. Um, like the Models, if you heard of Models Sporting Complex, their kids went to school with me. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Hudson Bay? The people who own that, their their kids went to school. Revlon, their kids went to school with me. So it was a very ritzy school. Did you school. get a scholarship or you, you, your parents cashed uh, out? 
It was like uh, the program that I was, you got like financial aid. So it definitely was a scholarship. Financial aid for high school? For middle school. What? Middle school. Financial so was aid like for middle school? Yeah, the school's like $25,000 a year. So what kind of education they get? What kind of books y'all reading? Goodness yeah, gracious. I, I got a good education. I really do owe Dwight Englewood for teaching me all about cultural and social capital because that year, seventh grade, really changed my life. I had to learn. Like, I had to really... I went through a culture shock, and it was very difficult because, you know, imagine... Like, I, I really felt like I had to become two different Reinas. I had to become, like, the Dwight Englewood Reina and then the Orange Jersey Reina. Mm-hmm. And that was just something, like, I had... Like, seventh grade was a year of bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. I didn't even know any Jewish people before going to that school. And those were the like the best parties. To this day, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a better party than those bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs. Like I was going to like the Rainbow Room in New York City, spinning dance floors. This one girl, for her, her gift, everybody got leather jackets. And not, not leather, not leather, like leather jackets that... I could I still wear it today like leather biker jackets. What? Yes, that's I need to get some Jewish friends. I don't got no Jewish. I, I don't think I've ever had a Jewish friend. If you if you <laughs> do if you're listening to this podcast, you Jewish, please email me. Let's set up like if I'm like when we do the tour, I want to let's link like that's leather jackets. That wasn't normal, you know, because they were very, they, they were very, very rich. And so, you know, just going through seventh and eighth grade, the teaching style was different. Although I will say my elementary school in Orange, although Orange didn't have a very good school system, I had a very good teachers in, in my elementary school. So I kind of got like that basis. I was always a gifted and talented student. Like, you know, I was always in the extra programs and all that stuff. My teachers used to give me like where everybody had to read like 80 page books. I had to read like the 800 page books or female Judith. <laughs> female population in in africa i'm like why am i reading this because it was the it was the longest book he had because i would just go through books so so quickly so i'm um, seventh and eighth grade kind of learned about that world i got to I, I loved it because i liked learning i mean i didn't want to go to white Inglewood thinking about it now i remember going in the interview i told the, the lady my interviewing uh the person who interviewed me that i didn't want to go there don't accept me please i don't want to go here you said the interview wanna- that <laughs> I told her that. I mean, she was black, so she probably felt for me. But um, my sister was already going to the school already. So she was like, listen, you're going to have to go here. You're smart. I'm like, no, I don't want to go here. My mom's forcing me. Please don't. Um, I think if I had went to Orange Middle School, I don't know if I would have kind of ended up. I mean, I, I still probably would have had like. I would have applied myself, but I just think the opportunities were just so different, right? And so then ninth grade is when you go to high school, and that's where we got more black kids because there was this program called New Jersey Seeds, mm-hmm. which was kind of like a better chance, but they kind of placed you know, people from uh, inner cities into better schools. And that's where I met like my core group of friends. Um, ninth grade to 12th grade was just like kind of like the same thing. Just It's just that like, I think socially, I never felt like I had. Actually, no, let me, I'll take that back. Because high school was actually probably like the social highlight of my life. Because these kids were crazy. Like the things we used to do on the week, like on Fridays, like after school were just like ridiculous. And I'm thinking about like, how did my parents not know that I, I mean, was just. What, uh, I mean, you don't got to get too. This is because this is a, it's a PG podcast, but what did y'all do? I mean, okay, I'm also, when I say crazy, you, you think about like rain or crazy. I'm <laughs> not like, it was just like things like we would go to people's houses, like mansion parties. And when I say mansion parties, I mean like these were like mansion parties. We were just like, I mean, I wasn't drinking at this age, but people were just getting into like crazy things at mansion parties. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine. 
pool parties, like all this stuff. If you ever saw like VH1, like, you know, My Rich Life or something like that, it was kind of like that. Are you serious? You lived that? Wow. Yeah, I mean, but I felt like a uh, outsider because I was going home to Orange, New Jersey. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't. My mom didn't come pick me up in a in a Beamer. My babysitter, I should say, didn't come pick me up in a Beamer. My, you know, my mom was coming to pick me up like uh, in in her Volvo. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, like a, yeah, like Volvo was a big step down. Like what? I was coming with the the beat boy, the beat up <laughs> minivan. I'm like, mom, don't. I I was one of them kids. Like you know, when the parents come, you like, yo. I'm like, mom, just pick me up in the back, man. Like just like don't don't come through the front. My mom would want to stop in the front. I'm like, bro, what you doing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but that was just. I mean, thinking about it now, though, but like educationally, I just like and 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 um, I think I it laid the foundation for a lot of the things that I was doing now. Like I was head of like the dance, the dance uh, club. I, I was he- I I just realized I forgot that I was head of the photography club. Like you know, you just forget about things. I was looking at my yearbook the other day, and I'm like, whoa, I was I was the editor of of the Focal Point magazine. I forgot all about that. Um. I did a lot of plays. I used to write a lot. Um, I didn't. I never really liked math or science, so that was always the thing that I did not like at all. And so I remember like applying to Princeton. Well, at my school, we had a very good uh, like pre college program. So we had like I think starting in sophomore year, you had to do like college visits during the summer. It counted towards your grade. We had a, a college advisor, and I remember making my list of schools, and I was never really like college focus I didn't study for the SATs although I didn't do bad but I was never the type of person that said okay I have to like spend you know my entire high school trying to get ready for college I was kind of had this like this feeling that I'm gonna get into a good school like it doesn't matter I'm not gonna study for the SATs and take away from other things that I want to do so I remember not studying for the SATs. Um, I took it twice, though, and I took the SAT twos, did not that well. But I remember when I, when I visited Princeton one summer with my friends, we were trying to get to the college of New Jersey, but we ended up at Princeton. I don't know how. Um, and I just felt this feeling like, I'm going to come here. Like I was like, I'm going to come here. Like This is a school that I want to go to. And I remember having it on my list of schools. I applied to like 11 colleges, and I got into every college except UPenn. Um, which is actually like the school thinking about it now was probably the school that I really, really wanted to go to. But I just felt when I went to Princeton that I was going to end up there. And that's mm-hmm. what happened. Wow. That's, that is, that is phenomenal. And as we, as we kind of start begin that, that transition to where we want to go, I did want to ask in a nutshell, kind of, if you could take away three things that, that Princeton taught you that, that whole experience, um, I don't know mm-hmm. what angle you want to take it, whatever the angle you see fit. And then transit, and right after that transition to what was your first first job out of college, and then we'll we'll go where we want to go. Um, what did Princeton teach me? Princeton taught me a lot. Sometimes I wonder, like, I don't think. I don't remember any of the educational stuff that I learned because I just feel like sometimes college, if you're a liberal arts, going to liberal arts school, if you're not having like a technical degree, you're not really learning like concrete things. I think it taught me the importance of research and pursuing your passions. I just like loved, I love that I got to really start interviewing in college like you know my first job and well, my second job in college because I worked in the I worked in the cafeteria my freshman year and I might like, never again I gotta find me a desk job and uh, <laughs> I found a job in the office of career services and they the, they really like you know how you think about critical moments in your life I think me working at career services for three years 
is so important to my journey and who I am today because they were the ones who gave, gave me a camera and said, hey, take pictures of all our events. They were the one who told me, hey, here's this flip camera. Go out there, interview people and write on the blog. And um, those were like the first things I started doing. And, and as a sociology major, we have to write junior theses and senior senior. Well, junior papers and senior thesis projects. And I got to like create the the idea for that. So my junior paper, I wrote about uniformed employees on campus and you know what what their uniforms or how their uniforms affected their social experiences. Mm. And so I, I got to interview like 15, 16 different employees and do everything in the whole, like, you know, transcribing and uh, note taking, all that stuff. And I got an A plus on that paper, which I am very happy to say because A pluses do not happen at Princeton. And I got got an A plus on my junior paper. And then, um, <laughs> and then for, uh, my senior thesis, I wrote about policing in orange because that was something that was very, in- uh, very, um, interesting to me. And I, just because I grew up in orange my entire life, I felt like the police in orange had a bad rap. So I kind of wanted to really get to understand what is it really like to be a police officer? So I got to, I did a 110 page book. We had to basically that was the end. The end. The end uh, result was it turned into a book, which was my thesis. Um, and I interviewed police officers, police chaplains, community residents about their experiences of policing in Orange. And that was something where I realized I love talking to people. I love like kind of putting together people's experiences and then drawing conclusions from that. So research and following your passions. I think that. Um, something else person taught me that it's not all about school because I think the greatest things that came from person was a network that I had made and thinking about it now, because I was very involved in a lot of extracurriculars, I became very well connected on campus and people always would say like, Raina, how do you know everybody? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, you know, talk to people, say hi to them when I, you know, when I see them always try to find ways to be of value to people. And I think because I was just involved with a lot of different things on campus, it got me known in a lot of the, the circles and the right circles. So from administration, I knew people, people who worked on campus, I knew people from the academic setting, I knew people and just like being around campus and being involved in events and stuff I would know like actual students so that was something else um what's the third thing and like I feel bad because sometimes like some of my peers hated Princeton like Mm -hmm. it was very hard for them but I think because I came from an environment that was probably like just like Princeton socially um I knew how to navigate it but I think you really have to have a strong sense of self in college. And that was something that I had really started to cultivate is like know who you are and know know what your strengths are. But you really have to like really have a strong identity because you could get sucked alive. You could get really either sucked alive in, in, in college, lose yourself. But that was probably like the biggest thing I learned was just knowing who you are and knowing like what's unique to you. Like one of the things that I did, I did in college and sometimes I regret it because I wonder if I would have had a different experience was I wasn't that social. Like I put my work first, but because I put my work first because I knew I couldn't get it done if I was trying to hang out with everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I was never like a person who was always working because I worked smart. 
Like I didn't go to study halls with people to sit around and talk for 10 hours and then be scrambling the last minute. Like I did my work in my room and then went to the study halls and watched people sit around and talk. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'm done. I did my work ahead of time. I'm read up. Like I used to read, like, let's say like, um, I feel like I'm talking too much, but Not let's even. say like we had like uh reading for psychology, you know, the, the teacher said read chapters one and two. I was reading chapters one through four. Oh, so, so you were one of them. Like, yeah. oh my I'm just, I was uh, everybody's know. probably listening is throwing side eyes like yo no, this I is really, that person that, you were that person no, I, that I nobody did the homework raise your hand like did you you didn't collect the homework did you did you you forgot <laughs> to collect the homework and everybody like yo what you Raina Raina got you got that Raina no. yo mm-hmm. <laughs> I said I wasn't a geek though I just was like always thinking ahead mm. thinking efficiently because I would do my homework ahead of time and then I would have like a lot of free time because I was always like back like I, I guess I've just been a batch person for a long time. I even batch with my with my podcast, right? You do a whole bunch at one time, and then you interview, then you edit as time goes on. But your time, like I've always been somebody who's very like time driven. It kind of makes me anxious sometimes. But um, I just don't like if I could do a little bit ahead of time, then I will. Or if I could figure out a process to make things easier, then I would do that. Mm. I, I I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> I got, I had one question to kind of flesh, to flesh it out, to flesh out kind of where we're at, because right now I'm seeing a lot of phenomenal things and I don't, I don't want, I want, I want people to catch it before we go to the podcast and, and interview and all that other stuff. So can you tell me what was a difficult part of your journey? Um, um and then kind of how you, how you overcame that? Difficult part of the journey at what point? Um, Just- pre, like, uh, like pre, 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 like 2015. Oh, okay. Hmm. Difficult part of my journey pre 2015. I think it's figuring out what I wanted my journey to look like, right? Because, you know, my parents are Caribbean, and that's something that I talk about a lot with my audience is having these expectations from other people mm-hmm. and, trying to like make something of your life because when I graduated like even in college I had like the internship at CBS like I I I was doing stuff but I wasn't really thinking like long term like you know how some people have these long-term goals Mm -hmm. like I was never really like a long-term type of person and making these like specific goals was something that I kind of shied away from I was more of like a organized spontaneous person (laughs) Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense like calculated spontaneous activities and um I just felt like I sometimes felt like I was doing stuff but it wasn't really aligned to like a bigger purpose and that's just been I feel like the theme of my life is like okay you'll do it because you're good at it but where is it that what is it that you're actually trying to build what is it that you're you're you know trying to go and that was just something I really had to think about. I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I could just live in this spontaneous, whatever happens, happens type of mode for the rest of my life. But it's it, it's not really what I want. I definitely wanted to, like, think about what is it that I'm trying to do and kind of, like, set some clear goals for myself because I really don't think I was that type of person. I was doing stuff. I was getting stuff done, but I didn't really have specific goals. And that kind of that can be very um what's the word like stressful Mm -hmm. because you then feel like you're doing it for other people and not for yourself Mm -hmm. no i got you Mm -hmm. so with that though 
So that were you just very anxious? I'm trying to think like that's that's is that it's, like my the challenge like one of my biggest challenges. I really I really feel like sometimes I stress myself out over little stuff, and I think the whole idea of not knowing what I want to do with my life you know quote unquote stress me out a lot when I you know it's even after college even like kind of now because you know I still have my nine to five I'm doing dreams and drive and it's like all right so what's the goal what's the goal what are you actually trying to do what do you want to see where do you see your life in like five to ten years I think I've for some reason just the idea of thinking about that sometimes like stresses me out nah I get you but I, at the end of the day and this is for my views for my listeners I think there is so certain there's so much power in that even though you have that uncertainty that you're still mm-hmm. creating and, and and putting stuff out there cuz there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that have this uncertainty but then they're, they're they're allowing that uncertainty to block them from putting stuff in out in the atmosphere. They're, mm-hmm. they're just still stuck at their job. They're still stuck with these ideas in their head. They're still going to sleep like I I could do this or I should do this or they're scrolling Instagram and like yo I should be doing that. I should be there. I should be talking to that person. I should be doing this. And it's like Yo, you you can you have to start now. Even even while you're processing, because I'm saying you can't. And I think my boy Rob said something deep. I just got off the phone before I, we 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 got on this podcast, and he said you can't join the wave when you're on the shore. Like you you people looking at the waves, but you need to get in the water first. Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't you can't surf on the sand. You got to be in the wave to kind of find your flow, to kind of find the rhythm, to kind of stand up, and then be be on be on the riptide. So I, I definitely love what you're doing because you're going to find it. You're going to see, you're going to start to see certain gaps and be like, okay, this is where I need to go. And even if you don't find it, I love what you said too. Life is not that one dimensional as people, as all our 25, 25 somethings, whatever, they'll find out and you already know life is not, okay, I got this job and it's done. No, it's just, and I don't even think about things as a career perspective. I just like any job I've had, it's just an experience. It's like, mm-hmm. And some people are more like, I want to go corporate finance. I want to do CFO and all this other stuff. But I'm more self-aware. And I know kind of have a long-term vision. So I just these things as skill sets. Like my job mm-hmm. in corporate finance in Pennsylvania, I learned how to um, navigate being in a city by myself and for a whole year. and How I can like really grind and grow. That's what it taught me. I didn't learn it about finance. It was more <laughs> so like I was in Redline, Pennsylvania. Many of y'all have never heard of that. That was in York. No, it was in York, Pennsylvania. And it is like nothing out there. But I, that whole time, I was I, that's when I started running. That's when I got into marathons. So that part of my life would never happen in that mm-hmm. space. So it's just it's experience. And then working at Duke, I worked at Duke for like nine months in the clinical research space. I didn't get paid the most. However, I was working with doctors that did that did a lot of um, different type of research, and they were really highly affluent. So I've never been around that space. So that I learned something there from that. That's an experience. And now doing what I do now, teaching at Hillside, seeing what students go through, administrators, and all this other stuff, that is an experience. And like you said, it all wraps around into what I do on an everyday basis as a speaker, as a podcast, or whatever. So I think it is having that reflection time mm-hmm. to think about what you've already done and what you're doing and then being intentional as far as how that what that manifests into. And for you, that manifests into podcasts, freelance, um, blogging. And I think mm-hmm. as you continue to level up and continue to grow, it's just you just it's just gonna become a dominant force. Like it just because that's what happens. Consistency creates dominance. 
Yep. And just figuring out the themes in my life. Like, you know, I've always been attracted to talking to people and then telling those stories that I gain to other people. Right. Um, I think storytelling has been a big part of my life. Even from a young child, I was always figuring out stories that me and my friends could tell other people, whether it be through the things we performed. Right. You know, the house on the hills. Like I was telling you guys the story of my dreams. I'm going to live on a house on the hills, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when we run from those themes in our life, we kind of have confusion mm-hmm. when we start listening to our life in that way things kind of seem to work together and everything kind of seems to fall into place love that and so i want to throw this nugget out there for college students and as we segue into the podcasting world which is our sweet spots some other stuff my college students out there and i, I don't I, I didn't want to share this publicly because i was wanting to wait till next time i go to college and just vent on this do a do a little gary v on it like yo i mean so many freshmen sophomores their college students are in journalism they're still trying to just get on radio. And I'm like, yo, I, I get that. But now you have a, the podcasting platform, you have video, you have online stuff. You're in college, you have access to the like cameras and all this other stuff. You have all these people on the yard that you can interview, do whatever. Like, why are you not creating your own content? Like, why are you waiting for a radio show? Don't you think you would be more more exciting or enticing for a radio show if you already had a platform to following like i i they a lot of people reach out to me because i'm an aggie and they're like yo mr hill i'm trying to get on x y and z how can i do i said don't do it right now you're a sophomore like start that lane right now and that's going to make you more attractive more Mm -hmm. more advisable and it's going to give you more confidence in what you have to do so but yet they're still in in in, in the summers they wasting their summers away at a food line or at a call center and they're, they're interested in getting PR and journalism, but I ain't seen no YouTube videos. I ain't seen mm-hmm. no podcast. I ain't seen no type of, I haven't seen nothing on, they don't even have a website. And they say, you want to be in journalism. You want to work for CNC, CBS. You want to work for all this other companies. And we're slowly transitioning into a time where resumes are important, but people want to see the receipts now. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to see the receipts. If you say, oh, you come want to be on the podcast and I see no receipts. I don't see a website. I don't see nothing. And you, you've you accomplished all this stuff. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Or if you're trying to say, I want to, hey, Mr. Hill, I want to work, help you with the Minority Trailblazer Conference. I want to do all this other stuff. But on, you don't have any tangible proof that you've ever done a conference. So for my people out there, not even my costumes, my adults, whatever, whatever space you're in, just make sure that you're producing at some some capacity. Now, I should not look online and say, if you want to be a dancer, and I don't see nothing about dancing online. I don't see nothing. <laughs> you don't talk about nothing dancing. Definitely. It's all in your, in your feelings, in your bag. I look in your snap. I, I, ain't, I ain't seen no shoes. I ain't seen no twirls. I ain't seen no dance lessons. I ain't seen nothing. So it's kind of, it's. so let me, so as I pivot, as I pivot, this podcasting space, dreams and drives. First, how did you get into it? And then second, What made you say, what gave you the confidence to say, yo, I can do this myself? Well, I got into, like, how did I get into starting the podcast? Well, I had, so it really starts in, like, August 2015 when I was interviewing this guy in my podcast. Well, for my then, okay, so let me me flip the question. So I got the confidence to do podcasts because I had started doing a lot of interviews. Like, you know, I I was doing interviews in college. When I got out of college, I was, um, I started freelance writing and the business editor at Madame Noir kind of saw that I had this knack for interviewing entrepreneurs. I got a lot of assignments to interview entrepreneurs and I realized I really liked it right and I was doing the interviews I was transcribing them I started the, my own blog uh, rainacampbell.com and I had a series called brand makers where I was interviewing people about how they built their brands and so I knew that all right I like interviewing I'm pretty good at interviewing um I had the practice 
so that I felt confident. I think sometimes confidence can come with practice just because by the time I started my podcast, I had already done like maybe over like 60, 70 interviews or whatever. So I was, I knew that, all right, I had this deep desire to kind of build my brand to the next level. I kind of think that blogging was dying in a way because nobody was really reading these long form interviews that I was doing on my blog. So I said, okay, people are starting to to do this thing called podcasts. And I remember reading this, uh, I remember talking to this guy, Nate Holt Sapple, who I was interviewing for my series, Brand Makers. And I was telling him about, you know, how I want to start a podcast. And he was like, all right, so what's stopping you? And I was like, huh? (laughs) He's like, what's stopping you? He told me there's a lot of people out here who are a lot, who you're smarter than, who are making a lot more money than you or who are doing a lot more things. And I was like, wow, I I hadn't thought about it like that. Like I had been my own limiting factor. And he was like, figure out how to do it. It doesn't have to be the prettiest, but just start doing it and get it done. So I told myself, all right, I'm going to start my podcast. I'm going to put a date on it. January 1st, 2016. I didn't even know what day January 1st fell on. I'm like, all right, January 1st, I will put a podcast out. And um, that's that kind of started like the chain of events that led me into like it all working out. Like I remember one of my friends introduced me to this guy who, who lived on my block and turned out like he lived on my block my entire life and I had never met him before. He was an audio uh, engineer. Mm-hmm. We, we ended up linking up and he made the intro for my podcast and he was episode one guest, right? But if I had and put out into the world that I wanted to do this podcast, maybe I wouldn't have met him, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he wouldn't have been the first guest. Maybe the whole inertia wouldn't have started from that. So um, yeah, I, I remember just like reading uh, reading up about podcasting, taking John Lee Dumas's course. Because remember, research is really big, is, has really been important to me and trying to figure out how to get it done. Um, I saw people that I admire starting podcasts like Sukita Holly of Hashtags and Stilettos. Um, I started listening to a lot of podcasts, taking notes on what I like, what I didn't like, what I wanted to, what what I wanted dreams and drives to be like. Um, yeah, I just really kind of dove into it once I put a date on it because I was tired of always wanting to do something and not really fully committing because with my blog, I kind of halfway committed, you know, with the writing, I could have probably done more interview, more freelance writing, but I just wasn't really committed. So I told myself like, if you commit to this Raina, it could be something very big, but you have to be consistent with it. You can't just do it when you want to do it. You have to put on, be on a schedule and stick to that schedule because everyone out here is building platforms because they're consistent with it. And you can't expect, expect to see results if you're not a hundred percent in. And so I just really wanted to see results. I was tired of like not feeling like I was getting anything out of my blog, not really seeing the the, the results that I wanted. So I think Dreams and Drive kind of started as a social experiment to myself, as a test to, you know, what could I really accomplish if I if I committed to myself. Mm, I love it. I love it. And three things I got out of that is a lot of people struggle with this pretty versus producing. A lot of people want their stuff to look good. They want their website to be the best. They want to do all this stuff when they need to be producing. Straight like that. They're, they're, they're hung up on what it looks like. And unfortunately, as long, as long, unless you have a lot of capital to invest in certain things, it's not always going to start off how you want it. The, the quality might not always be the best. But if you're just getting in the game in order to know what you need to do, 
to adjust you need to produce that's how you that's how i learned how to become a better podcast about producing podcasts somebody mm-hmm. they said yo I'm, I'm thinking about uh work and i and, and and i say this with respect to them because i, I understand what they're going through and they're trying to work through it and we're going to work i'm gonna help her out but she was struggling with her blog and she said okay i'm gonna I'm 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 work through it in a month and a half i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm spend the next month and a half on strategy and all this other stuff i said how are you going to know strategy if you haven't how can you create your own strategy if you never if you haven't succeeded in this lane like what do you you mean like you create strategy by like by doing it and seeing what works and what doesn't work like any marketing people out there you you learn how to what copy works or how to create good copy by putting out bad copy and seeing what resonates what doesn't resonate what you need to tweak here what you need to tweak there i can't forecast or or think about how i'm gonna be a better marketer if i'm not already producing or i haven't become those skills so it's like we spend a lot of time trying to be pretty because I think it's cool to, it gives us an excuse. It could be like, oh, so why didn't you do that? Oh, my website ain't right. Yeah, I'm just waiting on people to get back to me and my web design team. We're going to get it out there. It's, I've, I've heard, you know the game. It's like, oh, I'm just waiting for this. Like you said, I was waiting for my media kit. Like, I got it. Like, I'm just waiting for my subscribers to go up. Shut up. Let's, just, let's go get it right now. Like, you, you yeah. got to try right now. And then I think you said something critical and it's clear. And I read a book. I forgot his dude's name. I want to give him a shout out, but I forgot his name. But he had a system on goals, and the biggest system was he's like put a date on it and, and release the date mm-hmm. publicly. Like that's it, what I did. I, I said, "Hey guys, I'm starting a podcast." I didn't even have a name, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, "I'm starting a podcast," and like I, I'm the type of person where like if I put it out there and people start liking or you know liking the comments and you know doing all the stuff, I'm like, "Damn, I can't take that back now." I kind of gotta like actually do it. <laughs> yeah, that's why people and they, they had their dreams in their closet, and I and I mm-hmm. get it because you don't because you don't want to be held accountable to it. So you want you say you want to write a book, but you you know if you put it out there, hey guys, or even better, and this is what I did, and I'm gonna be real with y'all. This is the first time I never told this people, but I put out pre-sales for my book before I wrote the book. I sold, wow. I made a couple thousand dollars before I even before the book was finished because I said I'm going to put I'm I am going to finish it, and I know I can't I couldn't have a hundred people looking for me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like they can't, I can't be like nah. I can dodge a couple people looking for a couple twenties, but I can't dodge a hundred people like yo who. Yo, you you stole my money. So I told him it was gonna be out in a couple months, and yo, we did it. I was that 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 that's that is the mindset that it pushed me. I had no choice but to do it. So when mm-hmm. you have that, when you put yourself in, in in that box, then life gets exciting because yo, you had that adrenaline. Now you got a time limit. Now I was like, oh, I gotta go get it. But this conference, I said March 2018, we put it out there. I already had the website, even though the website is not where I wanted to be. Mind you, if you go to minoritytrailblazer.com, the website is not where I wanted it to be. We're releasing new content. We're, we're, we're almost done with all the details, but I knew that's pivotal for the brand. So I said, let's put it out there in the atmosphere. We already got a couple hundred people subscribed to updates on the conference because I said, yo, I'm going to do it. But if I would have said, okay, let me just wait till I get the website just right. Let me wait till I contact all these speakers. Let me think about sponsorship. I don't know nothing about sponsorship, but I put that energy out in the atmosphere. Guess what? Within two days, I had people emailing me resumes with experience that, yo, I want to work on what you're building. And we don't already had a couple team meetings. We're, we're already in the pocket. Cause, but, but you suffocating because you're not putting your things out there. And the last thing I, and I want to say it because I think you hit it on the head. Commit to it or don't do it. Mm hmm. It's just that simple. It's like if you if you if you still waiting on starting a blog and it's month go by two months ago, just don't do it. Just save people to save people the energy. Like save my <laughs> save my Facebook status from your post. 
Save my yes. tweet. Uh, say I don't I don't want your I don't want to like something just because you you're announcing it and I think it's gonna happen. Like no, save 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 it. Don't put that in the atmosphere because there's people that need your content, they're gonna suffer. So I don't even wanna like no 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 no. But if you commit it, go all in. I, like you said, once you start to go all in, stuff start to happen. So I'm excited about that. Um, what does your preparation look like and how do you select your guests? Um, okay, so preparation for me. Uh, so let me start with selecting the guests. So look at me thinking about. See, it's so hard being on the other side, right? Like you ask me a question, I'm flipping it, and I'm flipping it. Oh, that's, that's, I, I love that because <laughs> everybody knows I'm the guy to ask ten questions in one question. <laughs> yeah. So um, I select my guests. So it really depends. Like I started with just like my personal network. Well, first of all, you, you have to know who your audience is, right? So I know who my audience is: creative, lifestyle entrepreneurs, multicultural, mostly black women, but we have black men. We have people of all races, with those. Are like the the core listeners of dreams and drive people who like are into fashion beauty fitness health wellness anything kind of lifestyle or creative um people who are either entrepreneurs people who want to be entrepreneurs who are stuck in some part of their journeys um and knowing all right so who can i bring on the show that can speak to something that is uh, a pain point to this customer or to this to this listener or who can inspire this listener in some way so i started combing my personal network because i you know as i said in college i started building a really strong personal network um and through like even my career um then i have people who i just have like these I'm always on the hunt for stories. Like if you saw my phone, the the photos uh, album, I have so many screenshots of potential guests. If I see somebody who I think has a good story, I'm going to screenshot your info and try to figure out how I could get you on the show. So thinking about like who who I want to be on the show and then what what kind of story could they tell the the audience really is the way that I think about selecting guests. Now it's hard when people pitch me because it's like, damn, like I like you, but I don't know necessarily if you'll be a good fit. Sometimes I just randomly say yes. Cause you never know what could happen from random things. Right. That's that spontaneous part of my personality. Um, and I just always try to make sure the person has a story and that the person can at least teach something. Like you have to have a good understanding of your story, which I think sucks sometimes when people don't know their story. Because you could be a good guest, but if you can't pitch me, if I don't already know you, I can't know your story. And like you say, hey, I want to be a guest in your show. In my head, I'm like, why? You know, there's so many. I only have but so many spots. I do. Mm-hmm. I only have, let's say, you know, weekly podcasts. Like I can't do everybody so you have to do a really good job of knowing your story and how you connect with the with the audience but um that's really how I select the guests and then I have just people that I just really want on the show that I personally am interested in and um like the other day I interviewed or and I interviewed I reached out to Khalees you know um Nas's ex-wife oh yeah uh, my milkshake brings out a boys to the yard because oh she, hang um, what? yeah what I'm still in that yard <laughs> <laughs> because she um she transitioned into being a chef and and I just thought that was a really interesting story. I mean, her people said no, but that was just like, that's my mindset, right? Like, I'm going to reach out even if I oh, think I'm shooting shots. No. I'm but shooting shots. You, you may say yes. You know, every no is an opportunity to say yes. I forgot the other part of your question. The uh, uh, It's the prep, but stay okay. right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Okay. Question. There's, there's people that's listening to the podcast that are doing something and they might want to be on a podcast. So we can get some quick steps on how to, like the best way to pitch to be on a podcast. All right, so that's the way to pitch. I'll just use me as an example, right? You pitch me. First of all, make sure you spell my name right because I'm real picky with details, right? Mm -hmm. No, you have to know who you want to, who's the show. Like, don't say you want to be on Dreams and Drive because I don't know what podcast that is. (laughs) It's not mine. Anyway, uh, um, so 
know who you're addressing, right? For me, it's the host of the show. Um, it really helps if you start with, you know, that try to build some kind of like familiarity, like, you know, I've listened to some episodes or just, just show me that this just isn't some, you know, some copy and paste that you've done from every episode, right. Or from to everybody you're reaching out to know your story in one, one or two lines. Like, who are you? What do you do? You know, why are you important? And then one thing for me, that's really good is like doing a brief outline of your story, knowing that a lot of my shows really, hinder or or center around some type of moment or some type of epiphany right that led to you putting your dreams into drive maybe say that and then what i think would be really good in the pitch is to have core talking points so if you know Mm. let's say you want to be on let's say you want to be on um a podcast or negotiation right say five things that you could speak to to negotiation and give me an episode title like if you give me an episode title oh my i'm like I'm like, yo, you okay? Listen, I don't have to think about the show. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, whoa, whoa! You yes. gotta stop right there. If you do that, I don't care. If you do that on my podcast, you already on. You good? Yeah. <laughs> like, I love when people do that because it's just I. My biggest, I hate, hate, hate writing show titles. So if you give me the show title, then and and you tell me how you're gonna, what you're gonna talk about, things we can, you know, things we can speak to, um, and then you know. That's really like the biggest thing. You really have to know how to bring value, how you're going to bring value to the person's podcast that you're pitching. And I think you also want to stroke people's ego just a little bit, because if I don't know you, you have to give me reason to to take you seriously. Like this one girl sent me a video pitch and I was so impressed. I was so impressed. She said my name, right. She talked about different episodes that she listened to what she could talk about. Um, it wasn't the best fit right now for the podcast themes that I'm working on, but she's definitely somebody that I have. I'll, I'll probably be more later on, you know? So you really have to figure out how to stand out and how to be valuable at the same time, be relevant. Mm, I think you, first of all, side note, I don't think people ever understand how much work goes into creating a title. Like I I sit there (laughs) an hour beforehand and a lot of times I regret half of my titles, not regret, but I'm like, but half of them, I'm like, yo, that's a heat rock. Cause I'm like, yo, cause I, cause sometimes some days I got, I'm I'm real Drakus and I got hidden meaning. And then some days I'm like, yo, I need to read real like Migos and really say what it is. So Mm -hmm. I've always kind of alternating that the world would never know. Like an hour, I I sit there hour on SoundCloud. Like, does this sound right? Is this a hundred characters? Could I, do I have to put with, um, do I put Randy Campbell? The host of Dreams and Drives, because if I put that, that's going to be 20 characters right there. So now I got to shorten the concept and the story. Like, how do I? It's just so complex and it matters because it does matter for the most part. Um, Because unless you're a celebrity and you're on the top of the top, when you on the come up, yo, you got to be spot on with your with your titles so people can be interested. So that is that is that is critical. Um, And I think but what you said about as far as your value add that speaks even more so even outside of podcasting, just in general, talking to people, communicating, network, leveraging. I think people always go, and I don't know if it's a human nature, but they always go into what, what they can get from you. But when mm-hmm. you lead like, okay, this is my strength. This is what I value. I add. Then people, more people want to be around you. More people would like maybe sponsor what you're doing. More people want to help you out in your career. But when you're, when you're constantly like asking for something or trying to get a favor or if or you're, when you're trying to get a favor, not seeing like, like even, I think it's very, being very intentional with that. And that's why I'm glad you pointed that out. Mm-hmm. 
add value and know what your value is. Mm. And question, question, question. I see you've been featured on Huffington Post. You've been featuring all these things. For all my business owners out there, and I always ask my people um, these questions. How do you how do you go about getting exposure? Like, what's, what if you had a couple key things that you that you do in your wheelhouse as far as getting exposure? What would it be? You know, it's funny. Um, I was just working on updating my press links on my website on Dreams and Drive. And I didn't realize I had all these like press hits that I just didn't know about. So I think the the biggest thing you have to do is you have to create a way to track things. Right. Mm-hmm. So I set up Google alerts just for the exposure that you can't control because people will people will write about you, but they won't always tell you. So number one, set up Google alerts, google.com slash alerts, um, type in the keywords that you want to track and they'll you'll get notified if someone writes about you or if those keywords show up and things right for the for the exposure that you can control. So the ones that you actively pitch is you really have to like what I did was um, I do a host of things. So strategic things. So I do a uh, I, I still freelance right for like um, which is a huge site for black women. And I think about how can I strategically leverage that that uh, traffic from the things that I'm writing about back to the podcast. So one of the things that I'll do is I remember one time I pitched the editor, hey, can I write up uh, can I do a transcribed version of one of my podcast interviews and have it on the site and then link back to the full interview in the, you know, at the end of the interview? And she was like, yeah, sure. Because for her, it's a win, right? She has new content. And for me, it's a win because now people, if they want to listen to the full interview, they can go back to my podcast. So thinking about ways that you can leverage guest blogging is something that I think is really good for getting exposure. Um, just writing in general online, getting some bylines, you know, like maybe if you're an expert, let's say you're an expert in like relationships and romance right writing or pitching articles to people to to other outlets that write about that could be a good way for you to get exposure but always making sure that you're allowed to put your bio in on the last two lines of the story right always making sure that there's an author page so that you're not doing it in vain like there has to be some kind of strategic uh purpose to what you're doing. Um, Another good thing that I think helps get exposure is just building relationships with people who can give you exposure. Mm -hmm. I think Twitter is a good way to connect with people. I've, I've gotten a lot of things just from being nice to people on Twitter. Like, you never know who somebody is. Like, I remember one time this girl asked me, hey, um, can I talk to you? I really love your podcast. And we talked, we had a conversation. She told me that she wanted to put me on her blog. And, you know, I could have said, hey, is this blog big? Is this blog, whatever. But I didn't ask that. I said, okay, we had the conversation. And it turned out she was also a freelance writer for Essence Magazine. Wow. Right? And what if I had told her no? You know, what if I had just ignored the Twitter message or whatever it was? Like, that wouldn't have happened. So you really have to be, number one, strategic, but also be a little spontaneous with people that you talk to because you never know where somebody will end up. Um, Something else that helped me get exposure is putting stuff out there. Like, as you said earlier, people want to keep their dreams to themselves. People want to keep their accomplishments to themselves. No, like you have to actually like celebrate things. People want to celebrate with you, right? People want to know like, how did she get grow her podcast from like zero downloads to 200,000 downloads? People want to know that. And people want to talk to the people who are doing that. So although you may think of it as like boasting and bragging, no, it's strategic marketing. It's appealing to people's, um, inner desire to want to be better, right? 
Mm-hmm. They want to align themselves with people who are doing good things. So you have to, people won't know what you're doing if you don't actually put it out there yourself. So that's something I would, I would say, those are like my biggest takeaways is building the relationships, um, being strategic about like providing like guest blogs and leveraging guest blogging and just like actually putting it out there, what you're doing so people can know, people can actually want to link with you. Man, I love that. I love that. And I, I honestly, one thing I don't do, um, Actually, I don't know. People probably people be like, yo, you're wild. You do do that. But uh, hold up. Let me see. 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 What was the big takeaway I got out of that? Um, you had a lot of great points, but I won't play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh, not devil's advocate to your point, but to some people that are looking for PR, y'all need to stop looking for PR and really just work on what you're doing. Um, yes. Uh, yes. I, I, yes. <laughs> so, because like, I, 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 a lot of people, and I'm not, I, one of my- Something for people to actually want to write about. Like, don't if you, what you're doing is trash. You don't want trash or bad stuff, right? You want to make sure that you're actually doing something that's good, or that you actually have something for people to write about. Because it's going to like at the end of the day, I love this. First of all, strategy. You need strategy, but also to have the confidence. If you're really doing something at a high level, it's going to come to you. Like sooner or later, it's going to come to you. The PR is going to come to you. But when you're constantly, when you spend more time searching for PR than creating stuff that needs PR, then it's like, okay, like you need PR for what? Like you don't even have a website. Why are you looking for PR? <laughs> like what you, what you mean? Like you just started your, I mean, you, you just started your business. I get it. You want the PR. I love it. But you go to your website, your links don't work or you don't have no product. You don't like, what, what, what are we doing here? You don't, your face, you don't have a Facebook page. Like you're not leveraging the platform. I go to your platforms and you don't have any content up there. So what don't 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 get don't get too far of ahead of where you need to be because you want to make sure that when you do get the opportunities that you can leverage it. Case in point, people that get a chance to go on Steve Harvey shows and all these shows and they get all they get airtime, they get all this other stuff, but then you go to their website, website is not done. Or the website is half-assed. Or they don't have no products to sell. They don't even have a live Facebook channel. It's like what like why why even get that PR? Why even get put on a national stage if you can't leverage it? Because your fit once your 15 minutes are up, then where people go? Or people are like, oh, Raina, she was very interested on this on, on Greg's podcast. Let me go to the website, check more out more, more info. And then you just got some dead links. You don't got no products. You just <laughs> you ain't updated your your YouTube in 10 years. It's like if you ain't gonna update it, it, it just delete it. It hurts. So, um, that's my spin on things. And, uh, it's, like we probably can go on for days about that. Uh, I did want to ask, I did want to ask, what, what, what would be some tips that you give to, if you can probably label the three, three tips you would give to aspiring podcasters, people that are trying to get in this lane in this industry? I think number one is know your audience. I think a lot of people um, know your audience and niche your audience down. I talked to people who said, "Hey, I want to start a podcast for Black women." Oh, I'm boy. like, "There's I'm a like, billion uh, of them." <laughs> I'm like, "You do know that number one podcast is probably one of the grow the 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 highest growing you know digital trends or whatever. Everyone's starting podcasts nowadays. You need to know how you're going to stand out because everyone's starting a podcast and everybody wants to speak to Black women. But I was actually speaking to Blavity." Uh, CEO Morgan Debon, and she was talking about how you really have to niche it down and there's power in the niche. So figure out the specific type of woman that you want to talk to and what her specific pain points are. And then don't think about what you want to talk to her about. Think about what she wants to be talked to about. And there's a big difference in that. 
because even with dreams and drive, like I was saying, okay, this is what I want to talk about. But when I did my listener survey, I realized that people had a whole set of problems that I hadn't even really considered. Right. How so you did you listen to survey? How did I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, I just use a Google docs form um and what i did was i had my email list i sent it out to my email list i assigned i had an incentive with it so i said hey if you fill it out i'm gonna be doing the giveaway for a gift card to uh to five people so that was an incentive for people and i uh, um i advertise it on my podcast each week i said hey go to dreamsanddrive.com slash survey if you want to take my survey um and i got like over maybe like 50 responses or so which was good because i got a lot of information so that's how that's how i did i asked key questions that i wanted to know so that I could kind of build build um, out the right content for the audience. I love that. I got to do a listener mm-hmm. survey um, as well because, I mean, you, you'd be surprised about Because the audience will tell you, especially for those people out there trying to monetize, the audience will tell you what they would be willing to pay for. The audience will tell you what kind of guests yeah. they would like. Um, however, I will say I kind of take the Steve Jobs approach for some things. It's like I don't let the audience tell save me too much because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like if the audience, if the people wanted what they wanted, they we wouldn't have an iPhone. Like people, like, <laughs> so it's like I that's got true. <laughs> let it guide you, right? Let it yeah. guide. Like I think there's certain themes you have to know. And just like I said, I'll go back to research. You have to know how to pick out the bigger themes from the data. So mm. you know, a lot of things people will tell you one thing, but they don't know what they're really saying is this thing, right? So. Mm-hmm finding themes from it, but at the same time, knowing what your ultimate vision is for whatever it is you're building. Yeah. Nah, you, you hit it on the head. Cause it, it I, I love that. Also, I want to circle back before we uh, transition to another, another topic. I want to circle back to something you said early in the podcast, which was critical as far as you took a course by John Lee Dumas. I did too. That was phenomenal. John Lee Dumas is a very, yes. it's, it, I, I, I don't, I don't like his voice. Um, I'll say that <laughs> on the record, but he is phenomenal. I love what he does. And I love how he, but he's step by step he has paved the way of how to get the news and worthy how to get downloads i mean it's just phenomenal i thank him i will forever be grateful for him forever grateful to michael hyatt for his blogging courses that i've took online that's helped me be far ahead of the game before before i was even really should have been um but for everybody out there always look for the benchmarks i've said it on many podcasts always look for archetypes of people that are doing yourself on a high level that and honestly some people that don't look like you because yeah. that's what helped me the most. Like black people don't give me step by step. Black people give me work hard. Black people give me no replies. White people, they're like, yo, um, and not to blink at all white people, so my listeners, but I've seen it's <laughs> like, yo, they giving me courses, they give me step by step by step by step by step. So that's kind of why I do what I do. And I'm 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 in the process of sharing more on my YouTube and everything else of how I actually do it, how I create speeches, how I can go for an hour, how I can do this whole thing, because a lot of times we give half behind advice. It's like we just say work hard. You know, if you just work hard on podcasts, and that does not mean you're going to get reach. That does not mean yeah. people are going to find your podcast. I know people out here with hundreds of episodes with no traction. They got 10 reviews, and they just, they, it's just like, it's cool for them if it's a hobby, but it's like, yo, there's so much more. So when you follow the blueprints out there, they're already out there. Whatever you're doing, your idea is not that brand new. Follow somebody that's out there and just innovate on that. You'll be so much more faster. And my last question in the podcasting space, um, how, what is your what is your thoughts on how the industry is changing and where it's going? I'm, I'm a, I just, it's a podcaster, a podcaster. What, what do you what, what's your thoughts on that? I kind of 
You know, I feel like everyone's starting a podcast now. For me, I think it's going to be hard when people who have no brands, who with really good ideas, want to start podcasts because you have like, you know, bigger brands like the the companies now starting branded podcasts that are going to get the listeners because they have the money to, to attract the listeners. They have the names. They can get the big guests, right? They can get the big, the big, um, the big ta-da that goes with, with podcasting sometimes that a lot of people who are just starting out can't do. So I feel like it's going to get really hard now as people are getting put on to podcasting. So it's either you're going to have to be really okay with having a niche audience and not comparing yourself. Cause that's something that happens with me is like, you can compare yourself to people who just have a different advantage from you. Right. So I feel like for where podcasting is going, I hope it doesn't become so saturated that the good voices get lost because with podcasting, it's a significant investment of your time and you cannot listen. You cannot browse podcasts as you would browse like your favorite gossip sites. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's an active listening It's like experience. a marriage. You're kind of in it for the long haul. <laughs> like, yeah, like you can't listen to like – you can commit to a few that you listen to a lot of the times, but like a lot of people either have their core that they listen to and then they might listen to others sporadically. So it's going to be hard. I feel like we, we're going to have to really figure out how to show subscribers. I feel like Apple, Apple Podcasts now has so much data that we don't know that would be so good to know. Like, you know, how many people are subscribed to your Apple Podcasts? They don't tell us, right? Don't tell, like, but all the data is, that's why I like, I don't, I don't like really publicizing downloads like that because I see it mm -hmm. on SoundCloud. I know where I'm at. I mm -hmm. like where I'm at. But I don't, I don't believe anything. That's why I, I believe more so. That's why I love people affirm and send messages. Like I listen to this episode, whatever. I love LinkedIn. Shout out to everybody, LinkedIn family. You don't believe the data? <laughs> I believe it, but I, I believe it. But it's, I, I feel like something's missing. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Apple really could do a better job on the data. Yeah, there. I feel like they have something in the the something in the cut that they're working on because they they rebranded it from iTunes Podcast to Apple Podcast. I don't know. I have to email my people and be like, "Hey, what's going on at Apple?" Plus, <laughs> it's like it's very subjective because I don't get some of the rankings. Like, I'm like, "What doesn't make sense?" They just came out. I know they're not. It's like I'm it's like, not just... new, new and noteworthy, whatever that section is. I think that's a big thing. I want people don't. Don't believe the hype. Really, Apple Podcasts, because I've worked, you know, I got featured in Apple Podcasts a few times, is it's really an editor picking who they want to be on it, right? That's why relationships are so important. Sometimes rankings work, but a lot of the categories are just who the editors know of, right? Um, like, if you know Barry from Podcasts and Color, she was pivotal in helping, um, iTunes put up the Black Voices in Business section, right? They didn't really shout her out. They didn't give her any real hype for that. But it really was just recommendations. It was it's like a chance thing. And that's the thing with podcasting. You can you can get discovered by chance. You can go viral by chance. It's really hard to really know like what's the what's the step to growth. You have to like experiment so much or you just have to have a loyal audience that will yeah. really share your work for you. But you have to put out good work. Right. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put out good work. And I think I think you do a good job and definitely shout out Side Hustle Pro, they do a good job. And a lot of other podcasts of like containing their containing their community. Um mm -hmm. luckily y'all have been loyal to the Minority Trouble is the podcast, but I haven't done a good job I don't I don't have a Facebook group. I have a website, but I haven't been I'm I'm 
I'm being a lot more intentional as we move forward to the conference and everything else. So I'm just glad, glad that y'all always send me stuff. But contain your community. That lets you know you're engaged. Because if not, you can always feel like, is anybody out there listening? Like, what is going on? I can only imagine how the new podcasters feel. It's like, golly, where's crickets? Like, where's everybody at? Like, how do I get I know. people? Um, but I, I would say on the, on the change in industry, I do think you're right. I think two things are pivotal. It's going to be more so you have to have talent to actually do it um, now. Because... But these big boy companies coming, if you are an average podcast with average, like really conversational skills and whatnot, then it's going to be very hard to, to create that. Like, there's going to be no difference. They're going to be like, yo, I might as well listen to X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. honestly, and I'll let y'all get into my head. I, that's why I'm strategic about not having too many big time people on my show. I like stories. I think stories would never, never grow old. And I'm not, I, I want to fight the fight where I know I can win. I can't win as far as be able to make a call and get Ice Cube when he's doing it around. I can't call Kevin Hart, but like, yo, Kevin Hart, I know you got a video coming out. Hey, yo, come through the podcast. But what I can do is people with phenomenal stories in their niche are doing well. I can make those calls and we can all go together right here and we can just, we can just vibe out. We continue getting those five or 10 more subscribers, five, 10 more, five, 10 more, five, 10 more until you right there. So I just challenge people too. If you're starting over the game, don't get caught up in the big names. Don't get yep. caught up in the big names. And in and, and, and the real test of your fate, Put your chips on you and say, okay, how can I make this this person with an okay story, this that low energy, how can I make them sound exciting? Like, how can I dig deeper into my questions, dig deeper into the interview to make them excited, to make my viewer be like, okay, this is worth listening. How can I bring it out of them? That's why I think you're successful and a lot of people other are going to continue to be successful regardless of who comes into this space because y'all have a knack for Whoever comes on the show, I don't care because everybody don't come on the show with ready, set to go like like viral or ready, set to provide a good interview. Some people come with low energy. Some and people, people got you, you got to know how to put people's how to how to bring that out of people. And what I realized bring it, too, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it oh wait, let, yeah. let me just say this real quick. And some people, I realize that bigger names don't always mean you'll get more downloads because I've had bigger names on the show, but they might not, they may not have shared it right. Yeah. People may have already mm. heard their story so mm. many times. That like I already know that person's story. I'm not going to listen to that episode, but I think getting people. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a concrete example. Episode eighty six was with a friend of mine, Sarah Vega. You know, I thought we were going to talk about being a Latina blogger, you know, her, her, her rise and fall in media, whatever. And what I realized is number one, you have to get people comfortable, right? I think sometimes it's good to bring people that you already know in some sense. You may, you may not know them like a hundred percent, but people who are comfortable with at least talking to you, who have a sense of what they're supposed to talk about, you know, of the show. So I brought her on the show and you have to kind of like, it's really hard. Like I realize that it's something that not everybody really knows how to have a good conversation, but you can't think about sometimes where you want the conversation to go. Sometimes you have to like let the conversation lead you to where it's going. So asking people why, right? Don't just ask, what did you do? Ask them, why did you do that? How did you do that? What were the things you were thinking? Like you have to really like, it's like an art. Like Greg, I don't know how to say it. I feel like I'm rambling here. No, you're, you, no we, we right where we need to be. It's really like um, you have to connect to people's emotions. That's why I definitely felt like if I if I can sense that someone is is feeling something and they're hesitating a little bit, like you have to kind of like take off the podcaster hat and just be a friend, like be a virtual buddy, like be Channel like what's, your Oprah. Yes, you really have to like stop stop trying to p- be like so stringent mm-hmm. and just really focus on being a human, like that. 
and that conversation, like we both were crying because she just talks about like, I did not know that she was actually a corrections officer for four years um, while she was blogging and how she got fired from being a corrections officer because of like this whole big drama and then how she attempted suicide twice and it failed and just this big epiphany moment that happened. But I don't think we would have gotten to that part of the conversation because she she didn't have to tell me all that stuff. But it was just because I sensed that there was something like you have to really have your sensing hat on when you're talking to people. Don't just have your pen and paper in your hand and checking off questions because mm. anyone can do that. But you really I think it's it's a bigger investment than just talking to somebody. It's really focusing on your people skills. And I think that good podcasters are also very self-aware and also understanding of the human experience and the human emotion like i'm i'm a big english person i read this book i wish i could get it right now but the um the mythic structures right like every the human experience we all have like seven things that we all connect with love anger like whatever those things are right those are the things at the end of the day no matter what if you can get people talking about those type of things it's going to unearth some part of them that then just gets them talking. And I feel like you have to get people comfortable and get them to that point of their own, like, you got to get, you got to get into the pocket. You got to get, I love that. That's why, that's why, and I think I'm getting better at it, but that's why my podcasts are long because I mean, sometimes it takes, it takes time to really get to where the, the real jewels come. Um, some people yeah. naturally, I mean, especially when you're, when you're not like, if you're Oprah, everybody comes to Oprah, they ready to share their soul <laughs> and their secret, but like podcast, podcast, unless depending on if you're self-aware, if you know, you got somebody coming on a podcast and they want to be on the show, then they're more easier to do it. But if you know somebody that you've had pleaded to get on, you got to warm them up. You got to get that, that, that the shell right to then yeah. get to where you want to go. Cause if not, they're going to give you, like you said, what everybody else give you. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta find, you gotta find what makes them comfortable. And I think. You hit it on the head. Yeah. The, the podcast is about them. It's not about you. And I think and I think also, too, is that's where doing your research, that's where being a student of other other industries is important. Right. Like I think people who are good at marketing, who are good at sales and understand, like always thinking about what is the story here? What is what Ooh, can I extract from preach. this? It's so important. Like I read like I read a lot of self-development. I'll read like mythic. Like, why am I reading about mythic structures to stories? Because those are things that have lived over time, right? Like the alchemist is not just a sell a good it's not just a good book because, you know, it it people read it a lot. It's because it really speaks to the core emotions that we may not even think that we're we may not even know that we're processing inside. So you really have to be a student of other industries, be a student of just being a human. And I think that's where really good conversations come from. Yep. There you go. For all the new podcasters, definitely are people this. And, and honestly, that goes into our interview stuff. We don't have to go there because I, I, I think we've hit it on the head. People, when because I've, I've gotten a lot of calls and a lot of texts and a lot of um, video chats on people preparing for interviews and how to how to navigate it and whatnot. And I think the biggest thing I always said is it's just a human conversation. Like I know certain industries are a little different, but for the most part, it's, it's they're humans. You're happy. This is a job that you want. You're interviewing them as well. And everybody gets so nervous and clam up. It's like, yo, 
how do you talk with your friends? How do you get to know somebody that you don't know? Like what, how, what tack do you use on that? And I, then I start breaking it down. But I think, why do you think people struggle so much when they get into these interview settings? And could you share some quick advice, some quick nuggets on people that are interviewing for jobs, interviewing for internships or um, interviewing guests? Like, because I, I, people hit me all the time and they ask me questions, but I want your perspective because you had, you've had some, some experience in the career prep field and whatnot. So could you share some, some quick nuggets for people? I think one of the biggest things that people clam up with in interviews is not being like, I'm going to go back to the self-awareness and being confident in yourself and knowing your story. I think that like, let's say in job interviews, if you go into a job interview and you don't know what your core key strengths are, then it's going to be really hard for you to speak to that. And that's what the interviewers want to know. They want to know how your key things, the things you're good at will help this company. So you have to take the time to really learn yourself. Like I, I'm very big on people taking like personality tests or just like something like take a self-assessment, say, hey, what are five things that I really love? What are five things that I'm really not that good at? Right. And study yourself. Take time to really learn yourself better. And to I think self-care is important, too. Like if you're so stressed out all the time that you're you you can't just relax or you you just have all these things these things going on then that that's going to come out in those interview settings like you really have to know how to tell your story and if you're not good at it I think you can't just put it off like you have to like invest some time into asking yourself like who am I what do I want to do what are the key things that I really like about myself and I, I think confidence it's, it's really easy for me to say you know you have to practice confidence because it's something that not ev- it doesn't come easily to everybody but I think what can come easily to people is knowing that you're good at something and accepting that that's one thing that you're good at I feel like everyone should kind of know, like, what's just something that you love? What's a passion of yours? What's that feeling that, like, if you talk about this one thing, you're just in a happy space? And then when you're in that space, you know, you can then do the work. But you have to find out what's the best space I can be in that will allow me to do the work. And it might be that you have to, like, change your circle. Because if the circle you're in is always, like, this negative energy and they're just spewing negative energy onto you, it's going to be really hard for you to be self-aware, right? It's like, it's it's a lot of things that go into it, but I really think that it goes back into really knowing yourself and being one and okay with your journey and your story. Mm, love it. Love it. That is a bow on the table. Having, knowing your points on what value you can add to the company. I crazy me people like, all right, so you're preparing. Okay, what can you add? Well, um, what do you mean? You need to know off the cuff exactly what you can add, just like on the podcast, what you can add, and then knowing your strengths and also too knowing a st- having your core story, how that how you use that strength. Always have your core pocket stories on. Okay, if you organ, I'm, I'm very organized, and then boom, you hit them right with the. Okay, I remember the time this is a group project. Remember now it's all planned. That's why emotions are important. People can always relate to emotions. I remember this group mm-hmm. project, and they were late, and I was like, man, I was sweating because I didn't know what to do, and then all of a sudden I did X, Y. And Z and the interviewer they have no choice but to be engaged because you're telling a story, you're engaged, mm-hmm. you get the senses of okay, here's what it was. It was late at night, boom, now they're thinking of late at night. And it's like it's 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 kind of like acting in a sense, where mm-hmm. it all comes together and you just it's but it it has to be intentional. And I love how you put it out there. Um all right, all right, we're getting close to we're getting close to, to, to the end. I did want to ask before I go into the rapid fire question, um, two pivotal, pivotal things. Can you tell me about a time where you struggled um, in confidence 
and 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 and, mm-hmm. and then check, give give our viewers at least one or two nuggets. And I think we we've, we've touched on it before, but write to our people that have infinite, um instances where they're not confident in their abilities, confidence in what they're doing is worthy enough to to be shared, confidence on their pricing. I was like, should I pri- like uh, should I should I charge this much or am I worth this much? Like, but people that lapse in confidence, you share a moment or a time in your life where you were maybe lack confidence and a strategy that you use now to make sure every day you affirm yourself and you're confident in your way, who you are. I'm trying to think of an example. And the first example that came to me was it doesn't really have to do with business, but I think it's a good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, as you know, I love dancing. And, like, when I first got out of college, there was this this dance class in New York that I was part of called Brookwine. And basically, it's like a heels dancing class where they do like dance hall reggae music. And they have this thing called Brookwine Girls where you could, like, be one of the instructors in the class and just tour with the actual instructors and, you know, be their actual, like, you know, brand ambassadors or whatever. So I remember, like, they had Brookwine Girl um, auditions and I really wanted to be a Brookline girl. Like I was like, okay, I danced in college. I got what it takes. I'm going to wear this cute outfit. Like I'm going to go to these auditions and blow their minds. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, dancer, but I'm not like, I was never professionally trained or whatever. Like I can learn choreography, but I went to the audition and people were doing splits. People were like, I'm like, what? Like, you know, <laughs> it just, it, I started doubting, like, why am I even here? Like, why did I even think I could be a Brookline girl? Like, why did I even, like, it really got to me, Greg. And I was just in the audition room looking around at everybody. They had the judges in the front, not, like, they were very straight-faced. They weren't showing emotion. And I just, I wanted to cry and just run out of the room. And it reflected in, like, my audition. I mean, I got, no, I auditioned twice. The first time I got like callbacks because I was really like practicing a lot, whatever. I got callbacks like an uh, hour after like the first round, whatever. But then I didn't make it to the next round. And I was kind of like really down on myself because number one, I think I had this false sense of security. I thought that, like, you know, I had this in the bag. Like, I didn't really like practice before even going to the auditions. I said, I'm going to just go here and blow them away. Like, you know, I'm the best dancer here, but there are people there who have been dancing their entire lives. Right. And, um, I just felt like a failure and I just didn't feel like I had what it takes. But one of the things I didn't make it both times I, I auditioned, I never made it. But I think one of the things that I had to do was I had to kind of step back. Right. And I had to kind of look at myself and be like, all right, but what did you do? What did you win during this experience? And for me, it was like, hey, I actually auditioned in front of people who auditioned for Beyonce, you know, people who are like actually legit dancers. And I didn't necessarily, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't like, I had to like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I had to kind of see the, the, what's the word, the silver lining within, within everything Mm -hmm. and seeing how that failure then helped put into perspective a lot of things for me like if you going to something where you don't feel confident I think practice is something that is very important I had always been kind of this like cocky person like even with me saying hey I don't have to do I don't have to study for the SATs right and just banking on my experience to get me in the door was something that I realized is not true like you cannot just bank on these things that have helped you prior. And I think that's where it goes to being self-aware is I kind of had like this false cocky, uh, this cockiness to mm-hmm. life in a way, because I had always been kind of good at things. I've always been good at school. I've always been good at like reading and writing. And so when I didn't expect to fail and 
that was kind of like a, 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 a eye awakening uh, moment for me just because it made me realize that you're not always going to win in life and you have to know how to prepare yourself I mean I know I had the quote you know jump and blow your wings on the way down but sometimes you may fall mm-hmm. but what are you going to do when you fall and that was just that was a moment in my life where I had to start seeing things as alright if it does fail you won't stay down forever and you can pick yourself up and you can be on to new things right Mm-hmm. And and that was probably like the biggest thing that I had to learn is <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm drifting away from the confidence thing, but that that's that was like probably like one of like the hardest moments in my life because I wanted it so bad. Like it might seem so small, but I just really wanted to be a Brookline girl, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> no, that's hey hey. I, that, I, I I love I love this story. I love the story. And I think we've you talked about on the uh, and we we're, we've covered it because we've talked about it in sense of the people that have been tuning in and really had their ears open about confidence. It, it comes in practice. Um, it comes with experience. You got to experience. You got to put yourself out there continuously to develop confidence because, um, and then sometimes you just gotta. It's a belief thing. Um, yeah. And and I know belief is a buzzword. It's thrown around all the time. But it's the buzzword for a reason. There's certain, re- there's certain, there's certain like people push through. That's a buzzword because it's a buzzword for a reason. You got to push through belief. If you don't have it, it's going to be hard for you to really be truly confident. Um, mm-hmm. and this, but this, we can go down a rat hole as far as like what, how to get a strong belief because there's other, th- in order to believe, I mean, this, 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 there's, there's a method. Yeah. That's, there's so much yeah. there. <laughs> and it's like, that's a, that's a, that's the, we, we, we can't go there. Um, <laughs> we can't go there. And we're both talkers. We'll be on this thing for like twenty thousand hours yeah, on that can't, topic. Yeah, we can't. We can't go there, even though it's necessary. I know people are like, dang, y'all can't go there. Yeah, well, just as something. Look on YouTube this summer. We got. I got something for. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're we almost at the coach change round, but my last question um, before we get there. And then I, I got to ask a question about the future, what you got in store. But I did, I, I, since we're on this show, since you're another fellow podcaster, why do you think collaboration from a unit, from a, from, how do you, nah, this is a better question. How do you think podcasters can collaborate more? Yeah, that's a more positive oriented question because I mean, there's a lot of, now every time I go on, on things there's a podcast specific black women y'all are just cannibalizing y'all so there's so many stuff so much stuff it's good though i love it anytime mm-hmm. is anytime you're pushing forward more people of color are doing great things i love it but how can we leverage each other more what, what do you think i definitely think that we have to not see each other as competitors but see each other as all we all can get a piece of the pie and i think especially as like, you know a black female podcaster sometimes you can see other people who are doing the same thing but i I have no problem shouting out my fellow podcasters because, hey, everybody talks to their audience in a different way, right? Like no one's yeah. doing dreams and drive. No one's, no one can be me. So I don't see you as competition because, hey, I have my own unique way to shine. But I think sometimes in the podcasting game, you might see other people as competition. And that's just something that is, I think, is detrimental to our success because there is power in numbers. And if you shout me out on your podcast or you you retweet me or whatever, that's that's us building the line so that we all can we all can have a piece of the pie and we all can eat and we all can win. And I think that as podcasters, it there's just so many things that we each have learned that if we kind of have this central place for us to talk about and to share our knowledge, um, to ha- have a collective of some sort, 
it would be really great for us to grow because a lot of the other big podcasters, as we were saying before, like, you know, people like Lewis House, Marie Forleo, you know, those names, they all they work together so they all can win, right? It might not be like the 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 most uh co- not kosher, but you know what I mean? Like there's there's definitely strategies that they use mm-hmm. and they're winning and they're putting they're pulling their audiences and I feel like it's something that we could do as well, but I just think sometimes we think we see people as competitors and we don't want to get out and engage. We don't want to go out and talk to other people. And I just think that at the at the at the core of it, we just need to to try to put put you know weekly like weekly i try to go into twitter and retweet other people's stuff and even if they don't return the favor i don't care because i i know that people appreciate if they know you're not only about yourself right Mm -hmm. and that's something else that is i think is important to podcasting is you want to be a value but you don't want to be selfish with your value that you're giving and that's just something that i i try to enact and i just think that we as podcasters hopefully we can do that as well like if you if you see something that can help somebody else out don't be selfish with it forward that interview that might not work for you but might work for somebody else you know Mm -hmm. I am not like I've helped people get onto Apple podcast features and it's it's fine because you getting on there is not going to I don't see it as a, a missed opportunity for myself. And I kind of believe in karma. and I think good things will come back to you if you help other people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I don't know it's going to be you or myself or whoever to kind of uh, put some time in some sweat equity and at least putting a little because there's groups out there. But. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk offline. I think there's something that needs to be done in some in some capacity. It doesn't have to be as far as very structured to a sense, but something because I mean I know I have, I see a lot of things that um that, that work for me that I would love to to share. Um, the people ask I definitely give. Um, and probably some things that some gaps, some gray areas that I still don't know how to really get mm-hmm. there to see other people are doing. So I think there's a lot of knowledge to be gained because I mean, it, 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 we all could be, we all, sh- we are winning right now, but we all could win more if we're, we're it's a, it's a, it's some sort of a unit. Um, uh, because you've seen the blueprint, like you, like you said, with the, a lot of other podcasters, YouTubers, whatever. It's just a, it's a track, it's a circus. It's a mm-hmm. circle. So, um, I think we need to have our own, um, circles in a sense. We'll get there one day. Shout one. out to Barry of Podcast and Color because she's been really good at like trying to create community yes. and oh, just yeah, getting my bad. people. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Barry. You know, she's been on the podcast and she just has she just loves podcasting because she loves this community so much. And she put together like a brunch for women in New York City at Spotify that I was a co facilitator at. And it's those type of things that are gonna help us because like we just all need to kind of just know who else is out there because sometimes we just don't know who else is doing it right. Um, and and that she's been really good for the community as well yeah shout out shout out to her i gotta connect with her because she she put me on a uh on a list and i really don't know too too much about her however i know that uh. she showed like when i first started showed a lot of love um and i know she's curating a lot mm-hmm. of stuff for the culture like she already has a lot of stuff and i just want to be more tapped in and engaged i mean there's so many of yeah. uh, so many other podcasts even if i don't listen to their content i love what they do and i try to share it because mm-hmm. i know it can help somebody it's because there's so many even though there's a lot of black women podcasts, so many black women that are lost. So many mm-hmm. white women that are lost. So many European women that are lost. So many black men are lost. A lot of people just lost. They need this type of content. That's the thing. That's why I love podcasts because this is all uplifting and engaging content with purpose. And a lot of people don't have these conversations on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Some people in a yearly basis, 
You'd be surprised what type of and you think about your conversation right now. Listen, think about your conversation you usually have. Like nine out of ten. That's why you're probably listening now because a lot it's, it's yeah, we can go there. We can go there. We're not gonna go there. Go there. Um side note. I need all my podcasts and whatnot to really get hip to Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, and utilizing LinkedIn. Um, the, the, it's, it's getting, I, I, I see so many gaps and so many people can take so many leaps if they started using these platforms, how they could be used and it can grow so much faster and get so much more, um, space. But I'll leave that there. One, I'm not a guru at it, but I think I am pretty well at, at at utilizing those tools. So I'll put something out there sometime this summer. Reach out to me if you have any questions. But I definitely think that's underutilized, underserved, and I wish more people uh, put some more bread into that. Mm-hmm. So future, future round. Like, what's what's next for you in 2017? Dreams and Job podcast stuff that you could share. Uh, um, I definitely am working on I want to do some type of live event before the end of the year uh, my listeners have been asking me for my um, 100th episode is going to be up this summer I just want to now I've gotten comfortable with podcasting I think I kind of have my process down packed um, but now it's time to challenge myself it's time to create something new for the community and I've always wanted Dreams and Drive to be a bigger entity for it to be its own like media company of some sort you know it's now official I have my LLC I have my business check-in all that stuff so now I really got to lay the foundation for what I want it to be because I want to be able to to quit my full-time job maybe do this full-time and really grow out dreams and drive the brand so have some stuff in the in the works for that love that love that love that um and we definitely can connect online because I think I'll have a pretty pretty good blueprint to share after the summer, depending on what time, when, when you're going to do yours, I, I have a blueprint on kind of from my perspective, because we're doing, we're doing mm-hmm. five cities this summer and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm documenting everything and I, I should have a good framework on what it, what some things you can consider, what it looks like and definitely connections mm-hmm. on along the way. So, um, I'm with that and I'm, I'm making a stop in DC too. So I need to figure out a way how I can incorporate, um, others in a sense. Um, so I definitely, cause you're in DC, right? No, I'm in Orange, New Jersey. Oh, you're in New Jersey. Oh, I'm not making a stop in New Jersey. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to New I don't like New Jersey like that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to delete that. <laughs> but I don't. Okay. I just, okay. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm running out on time. So yeah, nah, I'm just letting you know. So nah, I, you're good. You're gotta good. You're get, good. Got to get moving. Um, Matter of fact, I think we've, we've covered enough. Um, I'm, What I'm going to do is I'm going to skip the culture change round. I'm going to ask this last question and we're going to wrap it. Okay. Um. All right, so I call myself the culture change agent, and I say that for a reason. And everybody that I bring on the show is a culture change agent in their own capacity. So if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? Wow, that is a good oh, – got to think about that one, Greg. Um, if I could change one thing, what would I change about our – there's so much stuff. I really think there's power in education, and I think there's a lot of educational gaps within our communities. Um, and I just, I just want our youngsters to love learning more. And I mean, I'm making a really big assumption here, just because I think that there's a lot of things that depend on your love for learning, your access to education. Right? There's just some schools, or just some like elementary schools, who don't have resources. Right? And I just think there's power in education. And with our digital society now, there's a lot of power in self-education and like really just consuming more. Not like knowledge is 
available for consumption at a rate that it probably wasn't available before. And I just want our young people to realize like you can create your own path, right? Like if you have an idea right now, you don't have to wait to go to college to see that enacted, right? You don't have to wait to get permission to see it happen. Like you can learn how to do it and start building stuff from now. But I think within our communities, we have to just really foster that and we have to nurture that. And I think a lot of times there's just so many politics going on in these inner city communities. There's just so many other things. We're, we're, we're forgetting about the, the kids are going to be the future of our societies. And how are we giving them the right tools so that they can create the, the change that we need to create? And um, those are just the things that I wish that we could see more of within our communities. Because like, I come from a, a neighborhood where people I've known from childhood are either dead, right? Dead or in prison or what? And why is that, right? And why is this cycle continuing to happen? And I think at some point we have to take responsibility for that individually. We have to say, all right, me as a parent, me as a sister, me as a brother, am I enforcing this? Am I nurturing this person's, uh, nurturing them down this line of, you know, bad choices. How can I as an individual help somebody that I see in need, help a kid who who just needs someone to talk to, talk to them? There's so many things I think we can do from a community level. We can't think the country's going to change if we don't start in our own backyards. And that's just something that I really want to see, at least with Dreams and Drive, is figure out how to make an impact on the community level because that's where it all starts. Mm. Wise words. Amen. So on that note, on that note, on that note, where can everybody find more information about Dreams and Drive? Dreams, I said Dreams in Drive. Dreams and Drive yes. podcast. <laughs> Your show, you, what did you got going on? Get more, because I mean, I know you... You have some phenomenal people that come on your podcast, phenomenal content. Where can we find you at online in the space? So Dreams and Drive, you can find, you can listen to all our episodes at dreamsanddrive.com. We are also on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Like wherever you listen to podcasts, we are probably there. Um, we are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreams and Drive. And on the website, we have some cool stuff. We, if you want to get some free resources, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash free. If you want to join our Facebook group, go to dreamsanddrive.com slash Facebook. Um, there's some other cool stuff there. There as well all our show notes have linked to a lot of great resources as well and if you want to connect with me personally um you can go to my website which is reinacampbell.com or you can find me on social media and this screen name is one that i've had since high school so don't laugh at me um <laughs> it's rain r-a-i-n shine s-h-i-n-e love l-u-v so it's rain shine love on social media twitter instagram everywhere and that was kind of a philosophy i had from like um from from high school I've always had this like motto which was sunshine rain and dreams like you know what whatever you do in life is going to be good times are going to be bad times but I think our dreams are what's going to motivate us to keep going so just keep that in mind and hopefully you guys check out the podcast and all that we're doing Mm, love it, love it, love it. Minority Trouble Nation. Make sure you check out the podcast. Make sure you go to your podcast when you're listening to it. Leave a freaking review. Uh, <laughs> and make sure you listen to this podcast. You leave a review. And uh, thank y'all for y'all time. Once again, it's your boy Greg E. Hill, the culture change agent. And I'm signing out. And I got one thing to say for you. What's that one thing, Mr. Hill? One thing, change the freaking culture. Good night. <laughs>